over the next few weeks, we're going to, we've transitioned out of our more sort of um, doctrinal words of Christian practice and theology, and we're transitioning into uh, Christian life, Christian living in our study of words. And so we're going to, over the next few weeks, consider some words in the Bible that emblemize our struggle. And so worry and suffering and shame and grief and doubt. Uh, these are the five that we're going to do in this sermon series. Of course, we know that this is not all human struggle, these five words. Together, they comprise a very large percentage of the things that we struggle with on earth. And so, you know, we think about it, it's kind of weird. I, I titled this series, you know, Words of Life. That is the overall series through the year. And, you know, worry, suffering, shame, and grief, and doubt, those are not really positive words. And yet, if we're going to have the life of the Christian that is described, we need to know about these words. We need to know what the Bible says about these words. And so we're going to begin this morning with worry. Worry is a word that is important in the New Testament. And really, nobody, as we think about these things, you know, you think about the worship and the fellowship and the whatever, whatever that we talked about before. People have to be taught how to do those things. Nobody has to be taught how to worry. You know how to worry. We all know how to do it. So the problem is not, of course, understanding what these things are, but understanding, of course, how do we control or avoid or limit these things in my life? Not that they're ever going to go away entirely. Many modern translations have eschewed worry altogether. You just look in your Bible, they don't have worry. Uh, some versions have anxious. The English standard has anxious. Some versions have concerned or stressed. The original word conveys the idea of letting something occupy your thoughts. You're preoccupied in your, in your thoughts with a thing, whatever it is. Expending a lot of mental energy on something. And we know that's what worry is, right? I can't stop thinking about the thing, whatever it is. I can't stop thinking about the test or the surgery or the job interview or the school day or the chores that I have to do on Saturday, whatever it is. You have things that are in your mind that you just can't stop thinking about. Some of those things are good. Some of those things are bad. Some of those things are serious. And some of those things are, let's be honest, we worry about frivolous stuff. Stuff that doesn't matter. And yet, sometimes we have things in our minds that are really important. We understand that. As we see, as we will see, this word is not just used in a negative sense in the Bible. Because there are some things that should preoccupy your thoughts. There are some things that should be overwhelming in your mind. Things that you expend excessive amounts of mental energy on. And we think about the word worry, and, and typically the translators use worry when this original word is used in a negative sense, but they use something else when the word is used in a positive sense, like concern or thought or care, which we'll look at some of those as we go through. Now, Jesus certainly uses this word negatively in the most famous passage on worry, which was uh, part of the reading. We're going to read more than was in the reading. But, of course, the most famous passage on worry is probably Matthew 6. Uh, I'm reading out of the New English translation. The, like I say, the ESV has, uh, doesn't have worry. Some other versions don't have worry. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or, or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They do not sow, nor they reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are? Now, as we begin, we're going to go through this piece by piece as we go through Matthew 6. We begin with the contrast. And I want to really emphasize, as we go through Matthew 6, there's a contrast. You see it, half of it, in the first verse, 
when you talk about worrying about your life, what you will eat, drink, your body, what you'll wear. Physical things. And he says, isn't there more to life than these physical things? When we think about worrying about life, that's a big, huge thing. The idea is not never thinking about things, but about not over, over, I shouldn't even say thinking about, not being preoccupied or obsessive in our thoughts about a particular kind of thing. And here, what? Eat, drink, body, uh, the things of your body, what you will wear. And yet we understand there are people who do not have enough, and you know, they probably think about it a lot. People who don't have these things, don't have enough of these things. It's hard for me to say they shouldn't be thinking about it. Because what are they thinking about? How am I going to get X, Y, or Z? How am I going to get food? How am I going to get drink? How am I going to get clothing? How am I going to put a roof over our heads? Whatever it is. The natural inclination. But somehow when we're in struggles, we think about those things. But then we have, when we have abundance, we still think about these things. We're still obsessive in our thoughts. Even when we're not struggling with these, we still think about them all the time. Now, the first instance of, uh, uh, the first argument that Jesus makes here is what? God supplies for the animals. He supplies for the birds. They don't, birds are not, you know, I kind of would be interested to be in the thoughts of a bird for a day. Like, their brains are so tiny. Like, what are they thinking about? Are they even thinking at all? Do they have thoughts like we have? I mean, they're not thinking about, I'm going to plant for the winter and then I'm going to harvest, right? They're not thinking about that. They're not thinking about, I got to go to my eight to five job. I know that. They're not thinking about that. They're just sort of living their lives. And, you know, God has put in their minds the instinct. They're, they're into their bodies, the instinct about where to look for food and how to fly and all those different things. That's part of God's mechanism for supplying and feeding the birds of the, the sky. But the point that Jesus is making is they're not preoccupied in worry and all of these things. They just sort of live their lives. Now we keep going. Verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add even one hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothing? Think about how the fields, uh, flowers of the field grow. They do not work or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. And if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow is tossed into the fire to heat the oven, won't he clothe you even more, you people of little faith? We see another contrast. So, Food contrasted with the birds. Clothing contrasted with the flowers. Not to, I know the, the birds might have some level of thoughts. Flowers ain't got nothing. I mean, they're just there, right? We understand that. And the contrast that Jesus is making here, how are we thinking about the things of this life? What percentage of our are we occupying our thoughts with where am I getting X, Y, or Z? How am I going to have X, Y, or Z? Or maybe it's not where am I going to get these things, but do I have the right kinds of these things? Are these kinds of things uh, the good kind of things? Like you think about clothing, right? Thinking about all the time we spend on clothing. Do you have clothes in your closet that fit you? Should you really be thinking that much about getting new ones? I mean, really. Let's be honest, guys. How much time do you spend thinking about clothes when you have plenty of clothes to wear? How much time do we do that? I don't know, but this is what he's saying here about the idea of worrying and having it preoccupy your mind. And his point is, he closed the flowers, the flowers they work out. Won't he do that for you? And the the dig is at the end here, right? You people of little faith, because here's what worry does. Worry fundamentally says, I don't trust God. 
Not that you're never thinking about these things, because you know sometimes you have to go to the store and you're thinking about it and you're buying stuff because stuff doesn't fit or you, your, your clothes wore out and whatever. We understand that. But the more and more you think about these physical things, the more and more you're anxious about them and it's, you're thinking about them so much because you're not sure if you'll have them and you're not sure how this is going to work out. And there's a level at that that eventually it becomes that you don't trust that God is going to supply what you need. We keep reading. So then don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? This is the worry, right? Not necessarily that do I have the right stuff, but do I even have it at all? For the unconverted, pursue these things. Now, the NAT uses unconverted here, Gentile. The Gentiles pursue all these things. Uh, the contrast is those who do not know God. Now, in their context, in Matthew 6, right, the Gentiles pursue all those things. The Gentiles didn't know God. So when he says, does not God do X, Y, or Z, you have a little faith, well, of course the Gentiles don't, don't trust God because they don't know about God, in, in Yahweh specifically, right? But as we think about this in our context... The, un, the idea of the unconverted is people in the world, they worry about this stuff. But you who have a heavenly father, you who know what God has done, you should not be. Your heavenly father knows you need them, but above all, pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. And these things will be given to you as well. So then do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that true? Today has enough trouble. Why are we preoccupying ourselves with all this stuff that's going to happen in the future? And again, the contrast. There's a contrast at the end here between worrying about physical things, eating, drinking, wearing, and pursuing or worrying about his kingdom and his righteousness. Now we see this in the story of Mary and Martha. Luke 10, 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. But Martha was distracted with all the preparations. Now, this word distracted is not the exact same word that is worried, but we see the same idea, right? That these things are preoccupying her thoughts. Martha was distracted with all the preparations she had to make. So she came up to him and said, Lord, why don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work alone? Let, tell her to help me. And she's sort of mad at her sister, right? Jesus, make her help me, is what she's saying. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Now here's where we get our word here, right? Are you worried and troubled? about many, You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the best part, and it will not be taken away from her. Essentially, he's saying, I'm not going to tell her to help you. Now, I don't know exactly what, we don't know everything about the context here. She's hosting Jesus, presumably going to put on a meal. Maybe there's other people coming. I don't know. We don't exactly know all the details. But it's clear that um, Martha is really concerned with all the preparation. And here's Jesus' point. Martha has a prime opportunity. An opportunity that I would say is one of the most important opportunities in the history of the planet. We don't get this. To literally have Jesus talking to me in the flesh. Martha has an opportunity right now to experience that awesome thing. And that's what Jesus says. Mary has chosen the best part. The better thing. 
to listen to what I have to say. Now, again, there's a meal that needs to be put on and stuff has to be made and so on and so forth. And, you know, you, the, the obvious thing that we think about and the, the, the struggle that we have with this, well, that's great, Jesus, but all that other stuff still has to get done. Yeah, I guess that's true. But you know what? It's okay if dinner's late. It's okay if dinner's not the best. It's okay if the house is not all the way that it should be. Because the literal, literal son of God is there. Who cares what the food tastes like? I have Jesus to listen to. Who cares what my house looks like? I can listen to the Son of God. And so the natural inclination is, yeah, all that stuff has to get done, though. But that's sort of Jesus' point. We think all that other stuff has to get done, but maybe it doesn't have to get done. Maybe the things that we think are necessary, the things that we think about and worry about and wonder about and are anxious about, maybe they really aren't as important as we think they are. Because here's the problem with worry. The problem is not thinking about stuff excessively. The problem is what exactly excessively occupies our thoughts. Because this word, the same word that's translated worry here, and worry in Matthew, is used in a positive sense in a couple of places. 1 Corinthians 12, 20. We'll read this one first. Now, there are many... Uh, we actually referenced this in Bible class this morning. Now, there are many members, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. Nor in turn can the head say to the foot, I do not need you. On the contrary, those members that seem to be weaker are essential. And those members we consider less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our unpresentable members are clothed with dignity. And our presentable members do not need this. Uh, but instead, God has blended together the body, giving greater honor to the lesser member, so there may be no division in the body. And here's our word. But the members may worry for one another. If the word is translated worry in Matthew 6, it could be translated worry here. Same word. In Matthew 6, do not worry about your life. Here is the word. Now the NET has chosen to translate this, may have mutual concern. But I kind of wish we just had the same word. The other versions, ESV does say NIV, they don't do the same, but they don't translate Matthew 6 in the same way they translate 1 Corinthians 12. And they're trying to give the flavor of something's positive, but we miss the contrast. If we don't translate it the same way, we miss the contrast. That when Jesus says in Matthew 6, don't worry about your life, but then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, so that the members may have worry for one another. That is, so that you may occupy my thoughts. That I'm going to be thinking a lot about you. Isn't that what he's saying here? That we're going to be thinking a lot, expending a lot of mental energy on one another. I should be worried about you. And you should be worried about me. Now, in this context, what specifically? If one member suffers, all suffer with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice with it. I'm worried about what's going on in your life. Again, we think about worry in the negative sense, but what does that mean exactly? That 
I'm expending a lot of mental energy on what's going on in your life. What's happening with you? What's going on with you? And not only am I concerned about what's going on in your life, but I'm thinking about how are you fitting in to our group? I'm worried that you will find a place to fit in our body. That you will find your role, find your task, find your position, find your, your, your niche. I don't ever know if that word's niche or niche. Here it's both ways. I'm worried that you'll find your place here. And that's a good thing. I should be thinking about that. We should be thinking about that for one another. We should be thinking about one another. He says it this way in Philippians 2. Now I hope that our Lord Jesus, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be encouraged by hearing news about you. For there is no one here like him who will readily demonstrate his deep concern for you. Again, we could translate this. There is no one here like him who will readily demonstrate his worry for you. Others are busy with their own concerns, not those of Jesus Christ. Contrast. Again, right? There's a contrast. But you know his qualifications that a son, he worked like, with his, like a son working with his father. He served with me in advancing the gospel, so I hope to send him to you soon. As I know more about my situation, though I am confident in the Lord that I too soon will be coming to see you soon. What's the point here? We see an explicit worry, Timothy's worry for the Philippians. We also see an implicit worry, Paul's concern for the Philippians. Paul is so concerned for the Philippians that he's sending Timothy to go check on them. And why is he sending Timothy? Because Timothy really cares. And he contrasts that. Others, not Timothy that is, are busy with their own concerns. Not those of Jesus Christ. Timothy's worry was righteous. His worry over the Philippian church was righteous. Not like all those other, and you know, as I would say this, thinking about my own language, those other yahoos, whatever they're doing. But Timothy was concerned with the work of Jesus in Philippi. What's going on with the Philippians? And Paul is sending him to Philippi because Paul is concerned, worried about the Philippians. What's going on in Philippi? So we worry about good things. We worry about righteous things. We worry about the things of Jesus Christ. And not the things that Matthew talked, he talked about in Matthew about where you eat, what you'll eat, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, where you'll live, what you wear, all those different things. The contrast on the things of the flesh and the things of the spirit. And so how does Jesus expect us not to worry as we wrap this up? Philippians 4, 4 through 7, we see the practical way that Jesus expects us to switch this. And Paul says it in Philippians. Again, to the Philippians here, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Do not let, uh, let everyone see your gentleness. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. Here's our word again. Do not worry about anything. Instead, in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your, tell your request to God. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Number one. What's number one? To avoid worrying about the wrong things. Pray. Pray is number one, right? That's what he's saying here. Through prayer, don't, be, don't worry, but instead do what? Okay, if you're worried, instead do what? Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your, tell your request to God. Pray about stuff, whatever it is. I don't care what it is. Everything and every, anything and everything. 
pray about the things in your life. Now, again, the point is don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be overly concerned about things. Not that you're never going to think about things. Again, we understand the way that life works. I actually do have to think about food because we have to get food, right? I mean, I have to think about it at some point to go to the grocery store and get it even. So it's not that it's never going to be in my thoughts. What's the point? It's not going to occupy my thoughts to an excessive degree. I'm not going to be thinking about it to the exclusion of other things. It's not going to be intruding on me when I don't want it to. That's the idea of worry, right? Is something is in my mind when it's not helpful, when it's not beneficial, or when I don't want it to be. How do I do that? Number one is I have to give it to God and ask him, help me. Of course, that goes back to what Jesus says in Matthew 6, right? The birds don't work. He provides for them. The flowers don't work. He provides for them. Won't he do the same for you? Of course, he ends that with a stinger, right? Oh, you of little faith. You might think, I pray all the time, and I'm still worried all the time. I would suggest that Jesus, Jesus might say, how's your faith looking? Now, we keep reading in Philippians 4, another way. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if something is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Okay, so again, if if worry is it's occupying my mind, what's the answer? I got to think about different stuff. This is the stuff, right? What you learned and received and heard and saw in me, do those things and the God of peace will be with you. So on the one hand, I need to pray. On the other hand, what? If I don't want to think about the stuff I'm not supposed to think about all the time, I need to replace that with something else. I appreciate what Ron said, right? We remove stuff, but we need to fill our lives with something. Similarly, you're thinking about something. Now, occasionally, yeah, I understand, guys. You just have those moments where you're not thinking about anything. Just your brain is blank, and it's blissful, and it's wonderful. But most of the time... You're thinking about something. And so instead of thinking about the things that are not what we're supposed to be concerned with, are you thinking about true, worthy of respect, commendable, pure, lovely, just, excellent things? Are you thinking about those things? Well, one of that would be, and we've already said this, right? Each other. Concern for one another. But what else would be? The things that I learned and received and heard and saw in Paul. The teaching of Paul. How often do I think about that? How often do I think about what's in the Bible? How often am I thinking about doing the things that are in the Bible, right? So when we think about this phrase, do not worry, and I could say, don't worry, is that easy? Of course not. This is the classic, easy to say, hard to do thing. It's easy for me to say to you, hey, stop worrying about the things that don't matter. But if you struggle with worry, here's what I would leave with you. Number one, how often do you pray? I don't know. But if worry is something that is your struggle, you are constantly thinking about things you maybe shouldn't be thinking about and preoccupied with these sorts of things, the easiest thing to do is pray more. Just pray more. I don't care how often you pray now, pray more than you do right now. How often do you think about things that will persist beyond this life? You think about food and clothing and shelter. Those things are, again, necessary, and it's not like we don't ever need those things. But how often are you thinking about things that will last beyond here? That would be one another. That would be God himself. That would be what we're doing in God's service. That would be evangelism. That would be helping, again, people that will persist beyond life. It's good to pray, but again, excuse me, what if if you keep thinking about the same stuff? 
Okay, you keep praying, you keep thinking, you keep, you keep giving it to God, and then you keep thinking about it, you keep giving it to God, and then you keep thinking about it. How do we change our thoughts? Well, the last thing that he said was what? What you've heard and seen and, and what you've heard and seen and learned from me, do these things. If you struggle with worry, my suggestion is make your life so full of Christian actions that you don't have time to worry. Do good things enough that you have to think about the things you're doing and not the things that you're worried about, right? Do, not just think. What are you filling your life with that will direct your mind to the good kinds of concerns? And again, this can apply in a number of different ways, right? The relationships that we have, the the habits that we have, the things that we do on a regular basis. How often are you studying your Bible? How often are you praying? How often are you gathering with other Christians? These are, again, simple questions. And if worry is something that you struggle with, these are the antidotes. Do more of these things. We'll end with Colossians 3, 1 through 5. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above. What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added to you. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, keep thinking about the things above, not things on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, so then too will be, uh, you too will be revealed in glory with him. So put to death in your nature, uh, whatever in your nature belongs to the earth. It's kind of the contrast that I want to bring out at the end here. Food, drink, shelter, clothing. What are those the things of? Things of living. What does he say here? You're already dead. You're already dead. You've killed yourself when you submitted to God, submitted to his will, were united with him in immersion, when you repented, you confessed, you did that thing, hopefully. You killed yourself. Why then are you so preoccupied with the things of life, if you're already dead. You died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The things of your life are no longer food and drink and clothing and shelter. Not that your body doesn't need those things, but even then you're thinking about those things, what? What does Paul say? To live is Christ, but to die is gain. To go and be with the Lord, that's better for me, but I guess I'll stay here because that's better for you. So Paul would be thinking about food and and clothing and shelter and, and clothing, But he would be thinking about it because it advances his ability to worry about spiritual things. As long as he can stay alive, he can keep doing spiritual things. Stop thinking so much about earthly things and think more about spiritual things. If you're going to be a worrier, some people are just worriers. If you're going to be a worrier, worry about your fellow Christians. Worry about the lost. That might motivate you to do some stuff. Worry about how well you're worshiping God. Worry about how much you know about his will. If you're just going to have to worry about something, worry about those things and not the things of this life.